Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one reason to remind you that even though the Nets might be off the moorings there at uh, the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center, we're not off the mornings here at at the Huskies Hockey Podcast. We are we are the most uh, hardcore, optimistic, level-headed fans that you'll see, um, especially especially as we roll into the playoffs. Nothing but good vibes and good thoughts from here on out. What do you think, Andrew? Chugging the Kool-Aid, baby. <laughs> That's something like that. Uh, Huskies lose on Friday 4-3 to three, and uh, overtime win 4-3. to three. Uh, Identical 4-3 to three scores, which I guess I just realized before. Um, and it was an an interesting series, um, you know, and after Friday's game and all of the results and everything kind of shook out, it was a, pretty much a foregone conclusion that uh, the Duluth was going to be back again the next weekend. And, you know, you talk about how much I love the 03-04 season. Uh, we ended that with four straight losses to Minnesota. And uh, here we were able to at least buck that a little bit. So, so I guess that's a little bit of a plus. But, um, yeah, so just kind of what were, uh, what were uh, Andrew, what were some of your thoughts here um, about the about the games, about the weekend as a whole, and uh, just uh, about uh, just kind of the team in general. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, like you said, an interesting weekend. I do, in retrospect, I think I enjoyed this this weekend more after the fact rather than in the moment. <laughs> right. Um, like that Saturday game in particular, I thought, you know, that was a pretty good game. Like my my dad watched it, not being a Husky fan. But he watched it. He goes, well, Huskies look pretty good. And I'm like, really? I thought they – I don't think they really did. But he's like, I watched it from the second period on. I'm like, aha, didn't see that first period there, uh, which is uh, a big factor. In, big key. In analyzing that game. But, I mean, yeah, I go back to the North Dakota series after that series on the podcast that kind of – I was kind of resigned to the fact I don't really think this team is a championship team and I'm just trying to enjoy the, the, the end of the season. You know, if the Huskies can surprise me. Great. I, I, but I'm not, I'm kind of not really angry. I'm not really frustrated. I'm just patiently. I'm just curious as to how this season is going to end. This has been a very interesting arc of a year, lots of twists and turns and, uh, surprises, you know, I mentioned we'll be touching on our season preview podcast, kind of tying oh, the bow God, on that. God, no, when don't I listen. When I listen to it, uh, just hearing kind of you, how oh, our, you, uh, you didn't actually listen to it, did you? Did you listen? Whole, not the whole thing, but um, but a good chunk of it. And just, it was interesting just to hear what we had coming in, what we were thinking coming into the season, the question marks for the Huskies uh, entering the year and to know kind of how they've played out, at least through the regular season. It's interesting to return to those ideas. Um, You know, 
injuries on the back end have been a big factor here. And uh, I'm not sure when they announced that Peart and Trayvall were, were not going to be available because it was interesting after the Omaha series, which both of them were injured in that Saturday game, it sounded like Larson didn't think those were necessarily you know, serious injuries, but they've lost one weekend. So far. I, I feel like that's just Larson in general. I think he undersells injuries quite a bit. I mean, I think he was very week to week on Meyer and he was out for quite a while. So I, I think but that very, maybe he's just optimistic. Quick. So they I don't were know. Very quick about the Anhorn injury. I mean, that well, yeah. Very like. I think when injury. surgery is involved, yeah. they're kind of like, yeah, he's not going to come back. That's so. true. Um, great. Uh, just shout out to Dylan Anhorn. He becomes like he's becoming like folk hero status to me with his. I don't know if you watched any of that See? senior senior day, uh, senior night festival. Is he like the uh, Paul Bunyan of uh, Husky hockey? Kind of. Well, he's got, I mean, th- that mullet that he is <laughs> rocking right now. He's got, I mean, we're, we're coming up to state hockey tournaments uh, weekend here. So the, uh, the salad uh, that, that uh, Anhorn is rocking and they did the little shotgun thing with the, with the crutch. Uh, God, it, it is a shame that we're not going to be able to see how that would have played out with, with him not getting that fluke injury. But now you add Peart and Trable on top of it. Hey, we've been, we have been uh, thoroughly unimpressed uh, at large parts of the time, the season with Peart in particular. But I mean, his presence and Trable's were, were really felt this weekend. I thought, you know, thrusting Wiley and Zemer into pretty much regular action only playing with six defensemen and Wiley getting play uh, power play time um, there. It just exposed some of the weaknesses. You know, and I'm not, I'm not down too much, too much on Wiley Zemer. I, I am more so. Uh, and I don't think he had a great weekend, but I, I think uh, he had a rough weekend. I thought Wiley was very good up until a few really bad plays that cost. Like I thought he was, and, I, I thought he was fine cycling the puck on the power play. Like I don't, I think that'll be something that he improves on and sort of yep. grows into, but yeah, a couple of those bad turnovers yeah. basically set up that third goal for Duluth on Friday with um, you know, a whiffing of, of a pretty simple, you know, pass or draw, you know, pass right off of draw. And then he sort of takes two whacks at it. Doesn't, doesn't, uh, make contact with the puck and yeah and i really hope that's just a learning act learning like a learning opportunity for him so all right and he wouldn't be counted on so much if not for these latest two injuries yep. uh, and so that's obviously a big factor here and who and two years that's gonna loom big i mean that's gonna be you know key moments and playoff opportunity and playoff atmosphere um, that's going to, that's really going to help him in the long run. Will it help okay. us this year? Eh, who knows? I mean, it, look at Caster. Caster's yeah. probably a better goalie this year because of that experience. It did not go well last year, this, you know, thrust into emergency action in the playoffs, but we're probably better off long-term because he had that experience. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's important too, but yeah, it's just, uh, and, and, and talking and speaking about the goaltenders, I mean, they've, they have regressed, which is, mm-hmm. which was to be expected. You know, Bassey in particular was hovering north of 930 save percentage for basically the first half of the year. 
Caster not so far behind him. Now it's actually Caster having a slight edge on both stats of GAA and save percentage. And they're it's... both, I think, Caster at 915, Bassey at 913, which I just did. I can't do the average of the of save percentage, but the median of the save percentage, like out of 66 goalies, like 33 was, I think, Magnus Krona, I think. Uh, and I th- that was like nine, <laughs> well, nine, four, nine, four. See, I'm telling you, he's average. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so it's, these guys are average, but getting back to like our season preview, if we would have, if you would have told us that goaltending was going to be yeah. ab- average NCAA average, I think we would have been thrilled at that. And I think that is a, uh, a big key to explaining why the Huskies are in the position they have, they, they are in, which is essentially guaranteed an NCAA tournament berth, no matter what they do here this, this weekend. Um, they have, they did build themselves quite, uh, quite an amount of equity in that first half, or at least the Anhorn section of the season that they've gone now one regulation win in 10 games and they're still yeah. pretty, pretty golden for the NCAA. So I was not through, we'll go through each kind of game here individually or more in depth, but on the whole, I was really not impressed. I was not blown away by the Huskies, although obviously coming back on Saturday leaves you with the you know, end on a high note uh, and able to come back from a three, nothing deficit. Um, yeah. After it was three, nothing Duluth. I'm thinking this might get ugly. Yeah. Uh, similar yeah. like that Omaha game last weekend and touching again about last week when I said, this team is not, has been looking noticeably worse on Saturdays. Well, they were able to find it. And those last two periods plus overtime, I thought they really, dominated Duluth uh, in, in, in that section of the, of the action. So hopefully that will launch you into this playoff series. Um, but yeah, it's my head does not, my, my heart's with the Huskies here, but my head is saying, I think Duluth's going to win this playoff series. Uh, I, I just being honest, they, uh, really, they have that postseason mojo. They seem to have St. Cloud's number. Uh, this year, um, you know, just the one overtime win in in four chances for the Huskies. I, on, pa- on paper, I think that the Huskies are the better team, the more skilled team. But especially if we're not going to be with Trayball and Peart, um, I'm not sure if that bodes super well uh, for the Huskies. But again, I'm at the point of the season that I'm just sitting back and I'm waiting to be just, surprised. Just case Sarah Sarah. Right, man. It's, so I, it's like I said, it's my version of Zen. I've, <laughs> I've accepted that. I don't really think this team is, is built for the long haul this season. Um, but if they get the chip, ter- chip chair and chance, which they seemingly have uh, in the NCAA's, lays, anything can happen. And I think well, that there is, there is the talent to, to do it. I just, how how healthy are you going to be and what's your who do you draw that's going to be obviously important uh-huh. all those intangibles that we won't know for sure what uh the deal is until selection sunday but let's just plays as as well as you can and and have fun out there and i think that that i think this team could use a little bit of loose you know just don't take it so seriously just have fun and i i, I think he can you should be able to beat this team, but I just have a bad hunch about it. So, 
Well, the Huskies, the Huskies uh, in the NCAA tournament have fared a lot better when their back's against the wall and when everybody has counted them out. So maybe this is just another instance of people counting us out and uh, we're going to go on a run. Um, I'm actually a little bit more optimistic after this series um, because I just, I just think there was a, a lot of fluky play that Duluth was able to capitalize on. And I think that just kind of was the difference. Um, and we'll kind of go into that here. Um, you know, the big thing that my takeaway is we got to start better. I mean, being outscored five rip in the first period on the weekend. Um, and not only that, but two goals, you know, first period, I think there was one within what, 30 seconds left to go in the period. And then um, Isaac Howard's goal was a minute and change. I mean, maybe, maybe closer to two minutes, but I mean, it was like, you got to learn to close out those games and they'll close out those periods. Um, But, you know, let's start, start with Friday Uh, nets coming off left and right, um, which is incredibly frustrating to watch. Um, But uh, again, you know, kind of the bane of the Huskies is that these middle to deep, role players that kind of ended up killing them. Um, Quinn Olson, who had five goals going into this weekend, pops in two. Um, one was a really good backdoor play, but Brand, who I think had a very tough weekend, and I don't really understand, you know, between Brand and Salquist, I don't know what Larson loves about that. Like, it, like I thought Brand had a, a, a just a bad weekend, um, he didn't clear the puck on the power play. Um, then Minnesota Duluth was able to enter the zone, cycle it around. I thought he got suckered up a little too high. Cronulla also kind of had a stick on the wrong side and let that pass through. It was like a runway. It was a beautiful pass by Dominic James, but you can't let that pass go through on the back door. It's an easy tap in goal. Um, and then, um, you know, the, and then, just just a bad turnover and then Quinn Olson near the end of that second period or end of the first period kind of comes in and that that's the one where Caster I mean I think just Caster has to make that save there and I felt like Caster and Bassey both had goals that were like come on like you gotta make a save um but even when they're kind of going through that rush it's like you felt that one coming. It was like, you're, you're going to end like this, aren't you? This is going to go in and sure enough pops it in down to. And I was like, I, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't feeling like, like this was going to turn around because again, that, that Saturday game against Omaha was still fresh in my mind. Yeah. I, I with you there and um, seeing that second period, uh, on Friday was nice. Uh, Just a weird period. Yeah, it was. Spellacy gets a five-minute major. Yeah. <laughs> Kupka really just takes it over. Who Spellacy, I thought, had a, actually overall a really good weekend, uh, except for the major, which I know a lot of people on Twitter were really debating the legitimacy of it between like the, call. Between the, uh, the, the, uh, the camera angles and whatnot. So, but, um, yeah, Kupka just rips it, rips too. They had the five minute who I thought we had an excellent five minute kill there. So it was three just kind of kill essentially. Cause there three, was a Duluth, that, a Duluth yeah, penalty in between. Yep. 
yeah, Howard got uh, a holding penalty in there too. And that first Kupka goal so. was, you know, a bad clearing attempt for Duluth that that Kupka intercepts and, and snipes. Type of goal that Duluth, so it's opportunistic type of goal that they seem to trademark mm-hmm. themselves on. So it's nice to kind of give them a little bit of their own medicine there and then tying it up with their power play. The, the Huskies power play did struggle this weekend. And I think part of that is attributed to the fact that you're running guys out there like Wiley, who, I mean, he's had power play experience earlier this year. I, I know in Wisconsin, uh, he was involved in a power play goal, but he hasn't even seen much regular ice time period over the last couple of months. And now you're thrusting him on to power play units, uh, tough assignment for him. Um, you know, we saw on Saturday, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but the first power play unit, uh, was just a shot. It was their first, it was the, they got the power play within a minute or two of the game on Saturday. And it was Bushy and Lutke on the back end with Rosborough, a coin and Spellacy. Hey, we've been, we've been on here saying, change it up here. Um, <laughs> this is not exactly what we had in mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've said Lutke on the point and we've said Spellacy. If you want a, a grease pan guy, sure. Those other three names, you could have pulled those out of a hat. And yet Miller on that, on that power play, Miller gets like 15 seconds at the tail end, creates a scoring chance, yeah. a scoring chance of the, power play and then he doesn't get any power play time at all for the rest of the game right uh so i thought their power play all weekend struggled um what was it one for six on friday uh one for five so one, one for, for five, five each both night both yep. nights uh and with duluth able to score power play one one out of two on friday and then one out of four including a you know a major penalty in there Penalty kills better on on Saturday, but special teams did loom large here. Uh, it seems like if you clean up the PK, then it's the power play that's that's letting you down, and vice versa. It seems like it's been that way this this last you know, month or six weeks of 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 struggle uh, of a struggle for for the Huskies. So that was frustrating, but mm-hmm. yeah, it just uh, I, I just didn't think that the defense was was very tight. Uh, and again, we can chalk that up to inexperience and the injury factor. But as you said, you know, goaltending wasn't what it's at its peak either, either night. I thought a couple of goals, you're just, you know, goal is kind of bite a little too early and beating them on these high shots. So it was, yeah, frustrating game. And yeah, the, the stay skull, five or six times knocking the nut off. And again, I, I don't think that they were uh, purposeful, but um, at some point, I think he, he, I think he still should have had gotten a penalty for it because you got to learn how to adapt to that. And you saw on Saturday, it wasn't an issue for him. I don't think he knocked it off on Saturday. So I did think that was getting out of hand. Uh, and I did think that they should have called a penalty on him, but uh, that, that, that sort of just added to the lack of good flow and pace to the game yeah. and just how it seemingly was not going to be the Huskies night, even after Coop could ties the game, not feeling terribly confident that they were going to finish the job and early goal there, that 
third goal with uh, mentioned the Wiley turnover yeah. leads to a goal. And uh, now was that before or after the penalty shot? That was after. That was after was, the penalty. Yeah, was Wiley involved in that as well? Uh, springing that. That um, I don't a hundred percent remember. I feel like it was. I feel like it was a defensive breakdown again uh, in the neutral zone that 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 led to that breakaway. Uh, but I, I might be misremembering too. I, I think maybe that was Luki. Might be right there. I think it was Luki because he tried over skating, like he tried to really like force the issue while we had an extra attack. Like pass the puck, buddy. You don't try to skate through everyone. And I think that's when he created the turnover. But Caster stood tall on that 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 uh, that penalty shot. But then you know, just a couple minutes later, Loney comes in. And he's got, you know, a, a breakaway and Casser decides to just throw his stick out there. Loney, I mean, he makes a heck of a play to end up going, going top corner. I think the net was off. He could have reviewed that if you knocked the net off too before it crossed, but uh, they didn't. And, but at that, I was just like, again, that's a, a guy who scored what twice all year. So, and that's just, no, that's his, he scored one other goal, and you know, and then Cole Spicer, uh, a little bit later in the period, he ends up scoring. It's like, who are these guys? You know, have Steve's beat me? That's fine. Yeah, but that's but... Not even, other than Steve's and James, uh, they don't really have much. Like, yeah, I mean, Olson's having a decent year for them, twenty-two points, but he's their third leading scorer. So it's not uh, well, whoever you say it's other than Steve's is going to be like, yeah, only his seventh goal of the year or whatever it is. Like if they're, we're not talking about, you know, four lines deep of uh, 40 point scores here. Uh, it's uh, so, yeah, it, it, I don't really care who beats you. It's the fact that they beat you is what's troubling and yeah. how it seems to always happen against this team, which is frustrating. You know, Huskies did make it interesting there in the end uh, with Salquist getting uh, popping in a goal. I know I dragged him just, uh, you know, about three minutes ago, but, you know, he was out there to win a faceoff, won a faceoff, open net, popped it in. Awesome. Um, and then we actually had a couple of chances <laughs> there at the end uh, just with, you know, 20 some seconds left, but uh, no dice, which wasn't really a surprise, but um. You know, I actually came away from that third period thinking, you know, actually pretty good. I know there was a lot of pessimism on uh, Huskies Twitter, but overall I was like, they had two chances to score in the third and they capitalized them on, oh, they had three chances with the, with the penalty shot. Um, but, you know, they capitalized on them. Um, and I actually felt kind of good going into Saturday's game. Probably a lot more optimistic than a lot of other Huskies fans were. Yeah, I I can't I can't say yeah. I was super optimistic uh, about it. Um, it's just that it's a lot of the same issues, but they're more they're almost w- more glaring because of the the extra injury factor here. And yeah. so, uh, and again, like, and so so the and, and you game, wonder, you know, I just thought about this now is that all season. Larson has always dressed seven, always seven defensemen. You know, now you're thrust into a spot where this weekend it was six defensemen. You know, maybe they, these defensemen just don't have the legs for it. Um, you know, where they're not used to the extra time. Now that doesn't 
really bode well because I guess as the games went on, the Huskies did get better both games. So I guess that never mind. I'll just edit that yeah, last I'm part sure out. About, I'm not sure about legs necessarily, but just the amount of yeah. responsibilities put on them. Like, like I said, this is a season where Wiley, I mean, how many games has he played this year? Twenty and probably not even that. Just checking on the fly here. Um, Twenty-three games. So I mean, two-thirds of the action of the games he's played in. But I'm sure he's set season highs and ergo career highs for ice time in a game this weekend. Bet you that because he was when he was dressing, it was more as the seventh guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, early in the season, it was kind of like him or or Reiners would kind of flip-flop who's sitting and who's the seventh D guy. Well, now they're both in the lineup and both playing important minutes. Uh, penalty kill for Reiners, power play for Wiley. So maybe it's just the new, you know, the the, the new experience of, of having so much uh, a responsibility. And that's hopefully going to be beneficial for the long run, as you said, but just hard to expect too much um, when it is sort of a, a all of a sudden, here we go, kid. Uh, help help win, win some games against a conference rival, and uh, you know, heading into a you know postseason conference tournament, and then the NCAA's. Like it's it's a tough task, I think. So, yeah, seeing the weekend as a whole, I think they held up as as good as you can imagine. There was definitely some leaky areas, but um, I think we can see that there is some some skill there and some potential. So um, trying to stay positive here. And it was, so that Saturday game, again, I know this is your favorite. I'm going to be quoting or at least not accurate, you know, not precisely quoting a citing a coach interview. Uh, but the pregame interview with uh, Larson on Saturday, I mean, he's like, I loved how this team played on Friday and looking back at the video, I, I was, I thought we played even better than, than I thought in real time. And sometimes he says some stuff that just makes me scratch my head. I, I, <laughs> I'm like, and it's the stuff with, you know, as you said, Solquist and putting brand with Cranola and Crookshank and he started them again on yeah. Saturday. So the fourth straight game, after the first game that they paired them together, where Cranola has basically gone dormant since that time, after the first game, I'm like, this isn't working. Put someone else on that line. They did put Mietin back in that line briefly in, at towards the, the third. End of, yeah. towards the end of the game on Saturday, which, you know, Mietin was kind of, I was like, I, I don't mind that because I, I like that better than Brand there. But at the same time, Mietin was having a pretty good game. <laughs> having, yeah. Playing with uh, Ingram. Uh, and so... But yeah, it's just these. That's where I'd like these. to see someone like Rogers there um, on the, on that first line. Um, or I mean, they had Molinar he, as the seventh. They, they play at a seventh forward instead of seventh defenseman. But I wouldn't see really hardly any of Molinar on the weekend. Um, but and saying that 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 weird power play unit to start the game. I mean, Crookshank and Kuka. I don't think had hit the ice yet. Uh, when that power play started, it's like, why don't you start with those guys? Uh, especially with Kuka sort of being the hot hand with two goals on Friday. Um, sometimes, yeah, I shake my, or I scratch my head. Uh, it, it's some of these personnel decisions. He knows more about hockey than I have forgotten. 
to uh, paraphrase a famous quote. Um, hopefully he knows more than I do. Uh, and he knows more uh, about his personnel than I do, certainly. But it's, again, it's it, sometimes it's pretty baffling um, th- with, with some of these decisions. But at, at the same time, again, we're getting to the point in the season where um, you, you have to, you kind of have to force the issue and, and I just, I wish there was, there was more experimentation. It's, we saw, we, I, at least I heard it again with this tongue bath with the announcers about Sulquist, but God, he just can't, can't look at the box score, the stats too much. He does so much good. And, hey, he was great on the play, a faceoff dot on Friday, I think 19 out of 25, uh, something like that. So yeah, I end the goal too late. Um, he didn't have a bad game, but we wouldn't hear the the sermons about how undervalued he is if he had twenty points. <laughs> like if he had twenty points, we just would point to that, and we wouldn't have to be told or lectured how well he is or how valuable he is. And it's the the spotlight is that much more on him because he's getting such prime real estate, prime yeah. assignments, power play, penalty kill, extra attacker situations. Like the spotlight is extra uh, bright if you're thrust into those sort of situations. So, yeah, I uh, again, I'm glad that that he realized that maybe sparking the Cranola. Okabe pairing, um, putting Mietnin back with them might be worth it. Um, yeah, I just feel like it wouldn't, it shouldn't have taken four games to, to move brand off that line. So yeah, just going into that Saturday game after hearing that, I'm just like, again, are, are we watching the same game? Sometimes it really, it really baffles me. But, and then after the three, nothing hole, uh, like I said, this is not looking so hot. Uh, and mm. Credit to the team; they really did find yeah. something, and uh, and that those last two two periods plus overtime. Hey, I hope that's the kind of action we get yeah. this coming weekend. Very um, much so. So Steve scores, um, you know the the power play goal, which was pretty much copy and paste his goals from the Minnesota Duluth bit, series. A little bit, high, uh, you know, toward more toward the blue line. Um, he was kind of more, more down towards the net. Uh, in a matter of what, five but, feet? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, it's still <laughs> like, that, that high shot. It, it was, it was very similar. Uh, so incredibly similar. And then, um, uh, Gelatin scores after a puck is airmailed and bounced, um, back just kind of right to a stick. They did just one so of those in Duluth too. They're, yeah, they're great at that. Uh, again. Check out those banners they have. That was built <laughs> on those kind of plays. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to call he's yeah, I, I think it's I'm not sure if it's gelatin, I think, but I'm calling him Jello because it looks kind of like gelatin. Gelatin. Uh, so I'm calling him Jello. We can call him Gelatin <laughs> for this weekend. I'm okay with that. Um so uh yeah, Jello makes it to a rip um and then uh yeah, Two minutes left to go. I think it was Zemer who has the puck in our end, tries to, I don't know if it was trying to shot or just dump it or whatnot, but hits uh, off the defender and um, it's just off to the races and for um, Isaac Howard, who, you know, is the uh, 
highly touted freshman who I thought was, you know, I guess, you know, 16 points as a freshman isn't terrible, I guess. So, but um, we'll he's get really back to that. I, I think it's fair to say it was a disappointing season for him. Uh, it's now. Yeah, I can, I can understand I that. I want to get back to that. Let's, let's put a pin in that. Okay. I don't want to get you too sidetracked, but I do want to expand on that later when we go through our NCHC regular season. Sure. Recap. He does have six points in the last five games. Yeah. Yep. So I was going to bring that up. He has been, he has been better. <laughs> he has been, he has been, he has been. So, um, but yeah, so boom, three, nothing after the first, I'm sick of these low energy starts by the Huskies. I'm slumping down in my chair. Um, and then we kind of get that fluky goal from Yetnet that just kind of that, uh, those, uh, you know, Renek special leakers there that uh, was able to just barely cross the uh, cross the goal line up. All right. Perfect. Sounds good. So we're, um, you know, maybe we can get something going. You know, my whole goal right there was like, OK, let's I like to like break down games into chunks. So at that point, I'm like, let's make it a one goal game by the end of the second. And then sure enough, just a few minutes later, Biantin comes down on a rush um, on a two-on-one and then calls his own number and uh, ends up firing low blocker uh, to beat Stayskull three to two. And I'm like, hey, all right, we, we got something cooking. Mietin take taking the team on his back. And um, that's the Mietin that uh, we've been kind of, if we see flashes of, and then it kind of goes away and we saw flashes of uh, here this game. And then, um, yeah, so I was, I was excited. I was optimistic uh, as, as we were continuing on uh, this game, going into the uh, going into the third period. And so I guess big turning point in the third was the Duluth uh, power play goal that was waved off mm-hmm. due to, uh, offsides challenge. I'm pretty sure. So they, they reviewed it. They went to review it. They come out of there and says, it's a good goal. The puck fully crossed the line. And then Larson challenges it. I'm wondering, I'm almost figuring that they were reviewing it for offsides and then realized halfway through, Oh wait, we can't review offsides unless only through a coach's challenge. Can we review offsides? Cause that was a rule change in the off season. Because there was no doubt that the puck was in the net. I think they were just saving face there. And so they had to do the dog and pony show of going over to Larson. <laughs> and then he throws the challenge flag, uh, hypothetically, on the, on the ice. And, I mean, I, I didn't see a, a real clear view of it. Um, I didn't think it was obvious as far as how it seemed like Gino Parrish was making it out to seem. But, again, it's a... I've never been a fan of, of, of offsides reviews for something like that, where it's just so close. So bang, bang, so close. I I don't think it really makes that much of a material difference in the play, but I mean, giant swing there, uh, because not only does that goal get waved off, Bushy ends up scoring a shorty on that same power play opportunity for Duluth to tie it up. So you go from, you know, four to two down two goals to tied up in the third period. And I think by that time, Duluth really, I mean, you're talking about legs and lasting a full weekend after that tying goal for St. Cloud. 
we didn't really see a whole lot of push out of Duluth and getting it to overtime there and, and having a, a pretty great play with, uh, with Kuka um, and, and Okabe, uh, who've been a nice little overtime pairing. I, I remember I expressed some confusion when I first saw that pairing back in the, what, what I think in Miami series, when, when they had those two out there on, in, in overtime. But I think that they, they click pretty well in that three-on-three situation. And nice goal to end it. And like I said, yeah. end the weekend, end the regular season on a high note. What what did you think about that third period? Not only that call, but then the play after um, after that, and then and then the overtime. What what were your sort of closing thoughts of that weekend? Um, yeah, I mean that's obviously it benefits St. Cloud, so I was happy. But at the same time, yeah, those are the reviews I don't like. I mean that those are exciting plays in hockey. It's offsides by quarter of an inch i don't i don't think that was the intent of the rule or intent of the rule of the challenge even um so it's i think good for the huskies bad overall for hockey i guess is kind of what it comes down to um on the same time at the same token there i mean that's one bassy should stop and yeah, i thought bassy yeah. is just was bad on his angles all game even um and that's where you know we kind of talked about the Huskies regressing a little bit um, when it comes to or the power play at least uh, re- or that <laughs> the goaltending regressing a little bit. Yes. Um, you know, obviously happy with the with the response by the Huskies. Um, you know, I thought I thought I want to give a kind of a special shout out to um, Bushy for not only the goal, but I thought defensively he played one of his better games um you know maybe not the first period because nobody was everyone was garbage in the first period but like just overall you know ever since that it was i thought he had one of his kind of better games i thought wiley also had a really good game um you know kind of coming back from his uh mistake there in 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 friday's game so um rogers i thought he would he played really well i thought he was you know really starting to use his body creating some chances uh spellacy i thought was showing a lot of things um really all weekend i thought he had a strong weekend um and then yeah like you said that um really the the third period i thought was incredibly exciting um more exciting than duluth really has any right to play (laughs) I don't know what, maybe it's because we had more of the chances, but I thought there were definitely chances back and forth. Um, and it was, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it, it, it makes me really excited and kind of bodes well, I think for this weekend coming up that, uh, we're going to see some exciting hockey. Um, and it's not going to be kind of your typical Duluth, uh, game. I think it's going to be maybe a little more, more up and down, uh, more action. So I, Judging by how we played in the last two periods, I'm I'm excited to see this team. Excited to make the step. Like I said, I, I Friday for sh- I don't want to say for sure, but Friday I really ex- don't expect Peart and Trayball to play. Um, I think in the end you do have bit bigger fish to fry, and if they're not a hundred percent, oh well. Um, you know, give give Reiners and give Wiley maybe a little bit more time um, and a little bit more. Um, you know, experience kind of in these situations. So 
that's why I'm I'm excited um, to see what happens. I'm excited with uh, what Larson's going to do. Um, you know, if he is going to put you know Mietnan back on the top line with Kronola, um, I don't think he should. I think you just need to put somebody other than Brand there. I think even like a Sean, um, you know, maybe some just a, somebody high energy who can create some space for Kronola to kind of get back, you know, kind of up and going. So that's, um, you know, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to this weekend. I think it's going to be a good series and really all of, all of this series there in the NCHC. And it, there, I think there's intrigue to definitely two of them. <laughs> um, Maybe not uh, the Western CC. Well, shout out that one. I, Denver and Miami will be a bloodbath. Yeah. Embarico uh, might make that Western series tight. He mm-hmm. played very well there just a couple of weeks ago when they played in Kalamazoo. So I wouldn't see, I, I would be surprised if they won the series, but I wouldn't be shocked yeah. if he stole a game out, out of them. So, but yeah, I do, I, I do think Omaha did yeah. a series should be a barn burner. That, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun to watch uh, or fun to, by proxy, I guess. So, um, you know, so you're you're not as optimistic as I am going into this series. Is it just uh, just the numbers, just the fact that you know we're three o o and o and one and o or something like that, <laughs> or o three o o o one? And o, o. O. I don't. Good lord. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. It's yeah, it's not like the talent necessarily it's just the Duluth and the playoffs factor I, I it scares me uh, a little bit like I said St. Cloud is a better team than them even probably without Travel and Peart I think they're a better team but that, sh- that doesn't matter to Duluth that's a good spot for them to be in uh, maybe we maybe we could start some Sandlin to Wisconsin rumors. If we start those up and start those up right now, maybe uh, maybe maybe his team will get psyched out and think that they'll have nothing to play for because Sandlin's like going that. to Wisconsin. I so. like that. Uh, what? So what are you? It sounds like you're a little bit more optimistic. You're going to call a Huskies series win here. Yeah, I'm calling a sweep. Sweep. I yep. do think it's going to be a, I don't think we're going to play on Sunday either way. I think it's going to be a sweep in either direction. No, I think, I think actually, you know what? I'm I'm going to make, I'm going to make a bold claim. I'm, I'm going to pull an Andrew here and I think first game four one victory. Um, and then the second game, it's going to be a two one yeah. overtime or something like it's going to be one here that I think we're going to comfortably come out on Friday. We're going to end up winning, and then Saturday is going to be a close game. But right, we'll come writing, out on top. Writing those scores down. Mark it down, especially with how wrong I'm going to be next week. <laughs> but if you're so, right, we can take that audio and clip it back in there. Like clip I that audio. Yep. When I successfully predicted the Bemidji sweep. Um, so. so, yeah, we'll, we'll hold you to that. Uh, what about... Goaltending. Who's starting on Friday? Yeah, I don't know. It's. I think. I think. I think you go with Caster. I agree. Who Who do you think played better this weekend? I. Jeez. Um. Uh, Caster. I agree. It wasn't eh. like by a lot, but that's why I would go with him on Friday and. 
So let's say they win four to one. You're obviously bringing him back for game two then, right? Correct. Yep. And then he wins two to one. So you're starting him in the frozen face off, right? Yep. And then you just play, if you just play, you might just play one game there, but mm-hmm. let's, let's just, let's say they lose that game. Just, just for funsies. He's starting in the regional too. Yes. So you're just, you're riding caster. I'm, I'm riding caster as long as my, this hypothetical situation is working. Yeah, let, let's say in one of these games he gives up five goals, or he plays so, like he so. Didn't. So he let's say games. let's say he wins Friday, loses Saturday, and loses poorly, like he gives up yeah. four or five goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he gives up that many, then I'm pulling him and giving him another chance on Sunday. Okay, <laughs> so so like if he loses. So it sounds like it sounds like you're willing to ride caster until there's a hiccup. Yes. Which I, I would I, I'm in your camp there. Yeah. But I'm just I'm just unsure if that's what Larson's thinking too. Like all season it's been well, I also don't know why Brand's on the top line. So I don't know what he's thinking there place. either. It's just add this every unit. <laughs> every uh, every other shift there's a Solquist out there because those face offs. Those intangibles. And I think, I mean, so Caster's played three games in a row, I believe. He played both games of the Gopher series, and I believe he played the first CC game after that. You can maybe fact check that. I mean, but that's just to say, I think that's the longest stretch of games, stretch of starts for one goalie this year is just the three games. So we're at a stretch here where, we're playing anywhere from three to uh, three, five, I mean, three to nine games left. And I think I'm with you that I would just put caster in. And until there is a speed bump, I think run with him. He's, you know, maybe this shouldn't factor into it, but I think it does. Like he is the senior. He's not coming back. Whereas Bass, he is coming back experience factor he's played in the tournament before obviously it was a experience we'd all like to forget but we he hopefully he can tap on that experience and maybe motivate him uh in this upcoming postseason because uh, also he was the goalie in last year's playoff series against Duluth as well so yeah I I'm with you I think that's the most logical thing to do but Far be it for me to really make that to be a bold prediction that that's what's going to happen. And hey, if they're if they get down early, if they have a period like that first period on Saturday where they're down three nothing, yeah. maybe it's not even Caster's fault. Kind of like that Omaha pull of Bassey. If you feel like you could change some momentum and get a spark from your team by making a goalie pull, then by all means, I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, I've been the one all year that just I, I don't like planning ahead on what you're going to do goaltending wise. I would say just play it as it's how it's how they're performing on the ice, make the decision based on yeah who is playing better in that moment. And so I think right now, caster is your better goalie at the moment. Uh, and like I said, he does have a slight stats edge uh, on Bassey as well. So uh, you got like a CYA factor there. It's like, you're playing your best guy. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I would expect that too, but we'll see how that actually plays out. Now, yeah, like if we if we're down to rip ten ten minutes into the Friday game, 
put in Bassey. He comes back, plays well. You start Bassey Saturday. He wins. Start Bassey on Sunday. He wins. Yeah, I'm riding Bassey the whole time. So it's I, I, I'm riding whoever I think is going to be hot, and uh, but I'm starting Caster. I think on on Friday, and I think that I think his angles were just a little bit better. Bassey, I thought was just a little bit all over the place, but I think we are in violent agreement. Uh, there we go on that point. So. So yeah, I do think it'll be a and a, yes, you were correct. Series. Three, he had three, uh, three starts with those three. So, and I don't believe Bassey has had. I, I he's done twice in a row, but I don't believe he's had a three in a row. Again, we can fact, yeah, because he played that. Well, he played that second CC game, then he came back that Friday against Denver, and then they had Caster with the shutout on Saturday of Denver. So I think that just Bassey's just done it back to back and not, not, I don't think he's done a back to back weekend this year. Not a back check me. He, uh, he, the, uh, Saturday game in Duluth. And then he got the nod both games against Miami. He did. So he, he has had a three in a row. Okay. And then he came back against North Dakota. So he had had four straight. Really? Yeah. I'm yeah. I've, clearly blacked out that Miami series for good reason. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I forgot that. I, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for fact checking me. But. Yeah. Cause he, he had the 12 sh- shootout saves. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. 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 And then he was, and then and because uh, of that, he got the start on Saturday. Yep. But then again, shootout. but then again, no big issue allowing late goals and periods that Miami game is kind of perfect example we let in that extra attacker goal um in that in that saturday game to tie it up and you know we were able to get the uh the tie shootout win whatever that is in the number the sixth column or fifth column or whatever but it's Which, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know and pick your poison there i mean you reverse one of those results um that one, the the giving up the late goal to Miami to tie it to go to overtime, or the North Dakota last minute goal, you know, you, you would have been higher than fourth if you would have reversed just one of those results. But then you would have had North Dakota in the first round instead of mm-hmm. Duluth, and I think we both agreed last week that we'd rather have rather see Duluth rather than Dakota. So, yeah. just funny how it uh, how it all played out like that. But yeah. so yeah, I do think it'll be an entertaining series. It seemed like the CHN does not have an attendance figure for Friday, but Saturday, 5,600. Um, seemed like there was a decent amount of Duluth fans uh, in the building. One dressed up in an Erickson Eck jersey. That's a uh, annoyance of mine going to a game wearing a jersey of a team that's not competing. <laughs> and then and then on top of that, being conspicuously rooting for a specific team on the ice. Like you don't have a Duluth jersey because he's clearly a Duluth fan. Uh, I, I just I don't I don't get I, don't I get uh, Erickson Eck jersey there uh, for a while. Uh, I think my freshman year I I wore a Manchester United jersey, <laughs> to, See, and that's to... even worse. If you do the like, I went to a Twins game once, and there was like an Islanders jersey there. If you have like a different sport, that's even <laughs> more of a egregious foul in in my book. But, That's uh, um that was my idea for like a like a 
like a I don't know what what they call it like an intermission not an intermission but like a TV timeout cam where they would scan the crowd and and whatnot it'd be like a why are you here and it would just be people who are wearing the wrong jerseys just put them up and it's like and it'd be like that I mean I guess Minnesota like makes sense but like I'll be at like um north dakota games or you know north dakota's single and then someone would be wearing a blues jersey and it's like buddy what are you doing (laughs) if you're going to come to the game like that then just sit down and enjoy the game as a neutral (laughs) fan don't be the 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 a-hole fan who's pounding on the glass and doing all that like if you're gonna either put the reg the the jersey of the team you're cheering for or just sit down and enjoy the game that's that's my tip so um, I was doing a little stats, doing a little show prep, um, as I, um, you know, often do on this show because it's such a highly produced and highly choreographed show that we have here. Um, you know, just looking at uh, national champions through since 2006 and where they ranked in power play, penalty kill, and what their percentages were. Um, just because our penalty kill has been such a topic of discussion. Um, and also I kind of took a look at, you know, second half slides of some champions and to see who else has kind of fit this mold. Um, which one would you like me to go over first with my, my results, my findings? You're saying national champions? Yep. Uh, yep. Well, let's do, let's do that. The, the power play penalty kill first. Okay, perfect. So I was just looking at penalty kill and there has been one team that has had a penalty kill that is worse than 80% that has won a national title since 2006. Six. Yep. Exactly. So that one team, I'm trying to think, don't. Oh, 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 perfect. Oh, oh, geez. All right. So 2000 under 80%, under 80% that went back to 2006, Wisconsin. I remember actually I remember Denver last year had not a very good power or You kill. are correct. Really? Denver. I wasn't I wasn't ready to to lock oh, that in but jeez. Wow. I, I guess I wouldn't have thought it was under 80 though. I know it's 79. It's, it's even not that good this year either. It's yeah. kind of been a problem for them. And that's actually what uh let's go to you uh pointed out on Twitter is that if they win the national title again it is again under 80%. Um oh, wow. they were they were 39th ranked penalty kill in the nation. Um, nearly everybody else in that, I mean, UMass, um, was at 91.7%. They were tops. This was um, last year you're saying? Uh, two years ago when UMass won. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. They, they were, they were, they were tops. Um, pretty much everyone else was in the eighties, 85, 82, 86, 86, you know, kind of somewhere in the 88, um, 84, even that Yale team, 84%. Michigan state was at 86% no seven. Um, so generally, very not just above average, but very good yeah. penalty kills. Yeah, usually top fifteen in the country. Okay. Um, now, um, you know, like I said, Denver um, obviously was that outlier, and it was last year. Kind of makes me think, and I want to know what your take is on it. Is it uh, are we at the chicken or at the egg? Are we the hammer or the nail here? Is the NCHC? Is our penalty kill overall really bad because everyone's power play is so good, or is it the inverse? 
we brought this up a couple of weeks ago. I floated that in not as terse of terms as you did. So I thank you for that. I struggle. I'm a, I'm a terse person. What can I say? Very terseful of me. Yes. Uh, uh, struggling to come up with, with something. I'm not being very terse myself <laughs> right now, but uh, um, God, where were we at? <laughs> I, I lost my train of thought now. Uh, oh, chicken or what? the egg. Chicken or the uh, egg. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of that these power plays are, are very good also. Oh my I'm gosh. Sure. I forgot I forgot to to mention Saturday overtime. How many tripping calls were there? Oh my god. Like yeah, and then were... and then not only that, if you're not gonna call, if you know you're not gonna call, why not just start running pick plays? Like just start running interference to open up lanes and get breakaways. Like it just makes so much sense. Like if they're not going to call obvious trips and one goaltender interference, <laughs> that was, that was pretty obvious on Bassey. Like why not just accidentally bump into somebody else to create a, a screenplay so you can get an easy breakaway. I don't understand. Like they're not going to call that if they're not going to call all those other trips. Well, this kind of feeds into a theory I have about how good these power plays are. I, I'm sure this isn't I, – you'd have to fact check this heavily, but and I'm not even sure if it's accurate, but does the NCHC call more penalties per capita, for uh, to, to put it lightly, than other – so is there more power play opportunities in this league versus other mm. leagues? Like watching the Big Ten, it seems like they are the – they call the least amount of penalties. And maybe I'm saying that because I went to a game in Arizona state game, which they use big 10 refs that there was one total penalty called. Um, and watching some of the Penn state, the Ohio state games that I did this weekend, it seemed like there was, I mean, there were some calls, but it, it it's and th- those games, like the Sunday game I watched, it was like done in two hours and 10 minutes. They just fly by. The, the, uh, I, like seriously, 12 minute intermissions are the best thing to happen. Like yeah. the best thing that big 10 de- has ever done. Like that needs to be a standard. So, and especially when it comes to five minute power plays. And I think they I, only I, have I, one TV timeout too. I think they only have one TV timeout at the 10 minute period. mark. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I think you're right. So that's it's definitely a, something that the other leagues should consider. Cause it, it does make for a nice speed, the game up kind of, you're not missing anything either. It's mm-hmm. you're just cutting out the dead time. So, but yeah, I, I wonder if my theory has any credence. It very well might not. Um, and I'm sure, you know, every fan of when their team is in any country, I, I have friends that say, God, ECAC refs are the worst. And Hockey East refs, my God, they were so terrible. And, and all this. I'm sure it's just a matter of which conference you most yeah. oh, 100%. follow. Is Those are the worst refs ever. But just from what we've been talking about, you know, we've had the questions, one of the questions last week, was it that, you know, why do they call so many five minute majors Mm -hmm. watching the amount of out of non NCHC games as I do, I do feel like there are more penalties called in the NCHC. And so giving more teams opportunities uh, and, and again, I think there also is a snowball effect. Certainly there is with St. Cloud, like once, once the floodgates open, it can really go pear shaped pretty quickly for them on the, on the PK. Uh, it was it was nice that like on Friday they only took one more penalty after the first power play, and then power play goal for Duluth. Like they limited the chances for Duluth on Friday, which was 
obviously to their benefit, even though they lost that game, it could have gotten much more out of hand, especially once, like we saw that in Duluth. Yeah. Once that once they, that five minute major, it's like you score one, then the next time you blink, you've, you're down, you've given up two more on the power play. So I don't know if that has any credence, but I do think that it's not there. It's not just that all like, there's, I don't think it's it's too much to be a coincidence that there's so many top 10 power plays in the country that are NCHC teams. And then obviously, inversely, there's so many bottom 10 PKs in this conference. So I do think there is a bit of a association or correlation there. Just don't know what the causation yeah. necessarily is. And that's always what's really tough, especially when, you know, because you get the idea of maybe let's look at non-conference games and that, but then you're running into a small sample size. And then, so it's just kind of like, you kind of throw your hat and hands up in the air interesting, there. Interesting to, to know what that split was. Because remember the, you know, the they didn't give up a power play goal, St. Cloud, until the Mankato series. So that St. Thomas and Wisconsin series, they were perfect on their PK. And we came into that Mankato series saying, boy, it's like this PK is great. <laughs> and uh let's, that let's clip last. that yeah exactly but the, the thing there too is it's not just non-conference it's you played st thomas and wisconsin that might have had something to do with it exactly they were just for bad so, teams so so um yeah and nearly all of them had you know around a 20 percent uh power play um percentage so that's the you know, title that, winning teams you're yeah. saying the title so there wasn't so like any sense. super like you know thirty percent power play. It wasn't like that was nope. It didn't seem like that was a common where it's just yeah, actually high the high. highest was again Denver twenty three point seven and they were twelfth. Hmm. Um, okay. Mass had a twenty three point four. They were tenth um, in the nation that year. Um, the one outlier, I guess, that was the lowest was yeah, Pro- was Providence good. team, 2015. That was at 15.3%. Yep. And so. they're, they're on my list of worst national title winning teams for a reason. So thanks for giving me more ammo for that argument. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and then I took a look at just second half streaks or slumps, I guess you can say. So um. Looking at all these uh, champions, and, you know, I actually went back a little bit further, but um, none of them had, you know, kind of the slump. And I tried to do it, you know, somewhat comparable. Maybe not as bad as, you know, one regulation win in nine or ten. Ten. So it's, you know, maybe not as that bad. And, and, And again, our overtime wins, shootout wins, whatnot, you know, put all those asterisks in there are, you know, justified. But, um, you know, uh, 2013 Yale, they won a stretch when they went two and six in the second half. Uh, 2011 Minnesota Duluth went three, four, and three during a stretch. Um, 07 Michigan State um, uh, went three, four, and two during a stretch. And then Wisconsin uh, went three, seven, and one, including a four-game losing streak in there. So are, are, are so. you going like heading into the playoffs or any time in the second, half? any time during the second half. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, some of these were going into the playoffs. Some of these were, um, you know, just right after Christmas break or whatnot, but you know, these are national title winning teams that did go through a second half slump. 
Now, it doesn't bode exactly well that 2013 was the last time <laughs> with that Yale team, um, which, again, going into, you know, uh, among the worst of the national title winning teams, uh, that's definitely up there. But um, I don't know, it was just like there there is still a precedent set for having a, a bad stretch during the second half and going on a tear. I thought you were going to bring up 2018 Duluth which for what I remember limped into the playoffs, but that would, they would, they would have lost two games at the frozen faceoff, but that also meant they would have won their playoff series prior to that, to get to the frozen faceoff. So they wouldn't have been on a long, just, they would have just been on a two game losing streak. But it, my perception of that team is that they were like under 500 in the second half. I, I might be wrong on that, but um, certainly they, they turned into clunker in, in the frozen faceoff. I, I would be more interested like bad spells that coincided with the start of the playoffs. Like it's one thing to have a four game losing streak in late January or February, and then riding the ship before the playoffs started. It doesn't seem to me that, and it sounds like you've done the research that a prolonged streak, like the Huskies are on now immediately heading into the playoffs does not bode so well as far as at least winning a national title goes. If if I would, if that's accurate to say, uh, yeah, I mean that's accurate to say. Surprise! I thought Wisconsin. I thought Wisconsin? They were the number they were number one overall that year. Yeah, they were the number one overall seed that year, which was pointed out to me after I said that. I was having a discussion just kind of about that, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. They were number one overall." But yeah, they went through a, a really tough stretch. I think they lost like four or five straight, even. Um. You know, Four in a row, all at home, two consecutive home series versus Denver. And Minnesota. And Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, Denver would have been back-to-back national champ, but they were not a tournament team that year, as I've learned, because that was the year that Carl won Hobie. But he's one of the few Hobie winners to not play for a NCAA qualifying team, interestingly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but there are still – good and they had the best player in the country at least the, the hobie winner and then the gophers were that was that would have been the hobie holy cross year right for the gophers oh six or is it oh five uh minnesota duluth um in that stretch in yeah, 2018 no, um they went 10 and 5 during this after january january on in the regular season yeah, it's so they had a good your, stretch still. Your 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 memories can really uh betray you at some points. Really? They were they were ten and five. Yep, okay, they so, right. they swept CC, swept North Dakota, um one loss um to Minnesota. Four State. to five there in a stretch, lost four to five. Um but then yeah, four in a row. So I guess, yeah. Five and five. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if you're going back, like starting for that Minnesota State game, like five and five. I mean, they're. Stretch, so, nah, you, you can't they, really they limped in. I mean, they were they limped in because, I mean, they lost to Michigan Tech. They lost and tied to Bemidji. They tied Miramac. Well, yeah. That, I mean, that first half of the year, they were like seventh, I think, of the conference at the Christmas break in, yeah. in the conference standings. They got off to a terrible start uh, so. conference play. But, yeah, they were able to write the ship a little bit, more so than I remember, at least. 
but um, they're still aloof. I hate them. The yeah. banners are made of shit. <laughs> <I'll say. laughs> so you you got one more weekend with them. So that's uh, you know we've had some exciting uh, playoff matchups. We've had a couple of three overtime back to back years uh, where each team came out on top. So who knows what's going to happen uh, this time? But I'm yeah, I'm looking forward. That. I think this is a good matchup for the Huskies. I really do. I remember that 2011 team because when the Huskies played, they played them in the playoffs that year uh, in Duluth. And I remember coming in that year, St. Cloud was playing better. They didn't have a very good year that year, but they, they had beaten Duluth. They like smoked them at Amsoil. It's like an eight to two game in there. And I think they tied the other game. Mm -hmm. And coming into that, that was like the sexy upset pick was that St. Cloud was going to beat Duluth because Duluth wasn't playing that great. St. Cloud sort of had their number that year and they were playing better towards the end of the year, but it wasn't to be. And that was one of those three overtime games, I believe um, the second game there. So yeah, it's, and then last year, obviously. So I think, and then Oh seven, the nodal year, that was another, that was a three overtime yep. game three. Duluth was not very good that year. No, but they won that first game and made, made, made things quite difficult for the Huskies mm. all series. I, I remember being very frustrated yeah. uh, that, that weekend. So yeah, there's, Some. you can definitely tell, as I mentioned the, with the uh, good attendance on Saturday, this is, this rivalry is really, is really thick now. I think um, we're, uh, we're it's good to see. We're a little over an hour into the podcast uh, here. And uh, just now we totally forgot. We got to go with the pow here. Uh, so, uh, go Huskies woo, um, had a player of the weekend and, uh, can I, can I make a guess that, well, maybe I, no, I was going to guess, I was going to guess Shoot that it out we're going to be unanimous this weekend. Oh, you think so? But that sounds like we're not going to be. Okay. Well, do, do you want to go first? Do you want the honors? I always go, I always go first. How about you? You do always go first. first. Okay, fine. Um, and, uh, basically what he said was that, um, he wanted to give a special shout out to Cooper Wiley, a uh, very nice job. And he and Reiner's getting valuable minutes that'll pay off, um, toss in the power play and didn't look terrible, <laughs> which I thought I got kind of a little bit to chuckle out of, um, um, the game could have gotten too big for him, but it wasn't. And like you said, it was, it was a really good crowd there on, on Friday or on Saturday's game. So. Um, uh, did like Rogers play over the weekend, caused some disruption with his body and grit. Totally agree. Um, and then VT looked like VT again, which is terrific to see. Um, he's going with Koopa Troopa, Kyler Kupka. Um, two goals got us back in it, um, uh, with his, uh, good efforts, energized the building. Um, and that pass to set up Okabe was filthy. So, and, it's... and you, you, sir. Um, it was, yeah, to me, it was that, uh, toss up, I think between Kupka and, um, Mietnin for me. Um, and if I were to kind of, kind of guess on this one, it, 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 it's tough. I probably would also say Kupka. I mean, he did also, um, yes. So yes, we are. Yes, we are unanimous. Um, I had to bring out maybe a little bit of suspense there, but um, 
but Mietnan um, really took the team on his back there um, and kind of saved us from a disaster. What would have been a disastrous weekend um, if we would have uh, not been able to kind of jumpstart a, a, a comeback there and have put a little energy back into the Herbrooks National Hockey Center on senior night and, and everything. So I I do feel that he does. He I was about to pick him maybe to be a little contrarian, but. Um, I think Kupka's all all along. I think we were definitely missing some spark from him. Um, you know, it was his first goal since uh, January fourteenth against Colorado College. So he's been on kind of a, a stretch here. So if we get people kind of rolling again, um, you know, he's popped one back, and you know, hopefully this is a a good st- good sign uh, of things to come here coming into this weekend. Yeah, I agree uh, with what you're saying. Obviously, I'm going in Kupka as well. Um, even in this dry spell, uh, you know, just one point from basically since like Anhorn's injury, one point prior to this weekend, um, and two points each night, and and just his presence was known. I, I've I've grown to really like him. I. I, I, I yeah. hope we see more of him next year. I hope that he comes back uh, because, you know, he's another one of these kind of late bloomer types that, you know, could be your team leader next year, or at least one of them. Very Fitzgerald-esque. So, yes, yes. So. I remember, like, saying he's going to put up, like, a Fitzgerald-type year, like a Fitzgerald fifth-year kind of year next year if he decides to come back, and he seemed to scoff at that. But... um I think it's, you know, he's up to 22 points this year, and that's with some time missed because he had that uh, injury uh, in November-ish. So just the 28 games this year. So, you know, for a while he was going at a point-per-game pace and Mm -hmm. had that dry spell. But if we kind of get this kind of Kupka uh, coming, you know, for the remainder of the year, you know, that's part of the recipe for getting back to – that's kind of what we were expecting the first half of this team. Like, so yeah, very much. So thumbs up to Kupka. I agree also with Mietnin agree also with Bushy yeah, throwing praise to him as well. Thought he played well this weekend, particularly uh, considering the defensive, the lack of depth we have now, like we're just, we're just yeah. going to six guys and we got no other reinforcements beyond that. So you got to really lean on your, especially your older guys, Meyer and, Bush uh, and Bushy to, to, you know, really step up in, in, uh, Puritan Trayvall's absence. So shout out to him as well. Uh, yeah, I, I agreed, uh, on, on Kupka and glad that we are all in agreement. Yep. Um, and then I believe, you know, at, at the beginning of the year, you know, we talked about the defense and I thought, you know, the defense looking solid, um, and you know, dropped off a little bit. Um, like I, like I said, Trey Ball, Peart, I don't think has kind of made that additional step that people have. I, I guess that we've hoped. Again, I th- I thought he'd be a little bit more like a Nishan type, and he's not nearly as dependable on either side of, of the ice as Nishan. So, um, but it's going to be a big a big test here this weekend to see if this this uh, defense can kind of kind of keep things together even though um, they're going to be potentially down, you know, 
appeared in Trey Bowl again. Um, so it's going to be, you know, these, uh, these teams are definitely going to hate each other, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I have no inside information about their injury status. I'm sure you don't either. No. But, um, I, I don't like the idea of like, well, we'll just rest them for the NCAAs. Like, you're not going to be 100% at this point of the year, so I'm not saying wait till they're 100%, but I got to feel if they're 80 85%, like, throw them out there. Like, throw them as a seventh defenseman? Or not just throw them in there as they regularly will. I mean, we saw this last year of, well, it's okay with caster. This we'll just, we'll get Renak healthy for the regional. And that never happened. Uh, <laughs> so never count your, I mean, there's a little bit difference between being banged up and having pneumonia. This is true. <laughs> so, I mean, that's Very a true. little bit different. This is true. Uh. But yeah. I, if they, I, I'd say if, if they're not in crutches like Anhorn is, put them out there. Sure. Uh, and yeah, maybe maybe ease them in. But <laughs> this is play- playoffs, baby. Yeah, and it's uh, not just yeah. Rub some dirt that, on it. <laughs> you know, the, the frozen faceoff isn't the ultimate prize here, but it's still it's Duluth, it's rivalry. Um, you can end Duluth season. That's um, true. That's then, and that's worth everything in the world, right? You, I don't <laughs> want Duluth to be two wins away from a cheesy automatic qualifier bid yeah and end their season this weekend mm-hmm. when it's in your control uh so i i'd say don't be hesitant like i, I would say again we only got three to nine games left let's hope that nine is is uh the number that we number of games that we have left well let's say eight because nine would mean we're going to a third game against Duluth. we don't need to do that um, so yeah, let's uh, minus one because My. we don't want to play because we don't want to play that Sunday game. Uh, so eight, eight is the eight. number, and I think that those guys got eight games left. Mm-hmm. So, um, overall, then kind of looking at the season um, and as a whole, as we wrap up regular season. Um, you know, I don't exactly remember my comments or what they were, but I mean, I. I believe I have to chalk this season up as a win. Um, I know I'm maybe foreshadowing one of the questions, um, maybe a little bit here, um, that kind of asks what is your um, a successful season, what would it look like now that the postseason is here? Um, but it's, you know, I, 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 I want to say that I am – you know, on like this is a this is a good this is a good result. You know, this is better. I think this team has overperformed. What 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 would you say? Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. So I went back and listened to our. Season yeah, you went back podcast. and listened to it, and you teased that earlier. So I'm on the edge see, of my seat. Actually, this is this is going to be interesting. I, I I really had to put an effort to listen to it. Cause I'll say just as an aside, <laughs> very poor auto audio quality. If you're we with tried. us now, uh, we're, we're in a much better spot. Uh, and I feel like we, we've, we've been very, it's good. amazing. What like that two, was, like, like $200 thrown at an actual. <laughs> so if well, you want to Venmo us a tip, uh, to help pay for actual decent audio quality, 
And trust me, I've been pounding the pavement here trying to sell these ads. Uh, I, I hope to be getting some action on that. And we'll... Well, for a return from Gramp Aid. Yeah. They're not returning my calls, which is, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Shocker. But just to say that um, that was our... I was probably a rock bottom, actually, was that podcast. <laughs> so, but it was an interesting podcast, so... I'll just uh, summarize it first. I kind of won between when we did the predict the standings. Um, So just to recap. Oh, okay. You're talking about the standings or the team? Like our team thought. Okay. Touching on both. um, Just for these standings. I'll let you drive. Sorry. Yeah. I had four correct spot, four correct teams placed correctly. So I had Denver number one, St. Cloud number four. CC at seven, Miami at eight. You had one correct <laughs> with the Huskies. Huskies at, at four. four. Uh, I had Denver. I, I tried. I tried to overthink too much. I think I tried to be the contrarian and not put Miami last. That was stupid. That was when in doubt, follow the herd. You know, that's just why do I go out on limbs? Well, we both sort of followed the herd with North Dakota and Duluth this year. I mean, I had Denver, UND, UMD as one, two, three. You had UND, UMD, and Duluth as your top. Or, excuse me, and Denver. Denver. As your top. I had Denver as three, yeah. I thought they you lost were, too much. You were down on that, yep. And you said that Corona, you think, is average. Um, I still think change. he's average. <laughs> Thing, some things never change. Um, we were both kind of like, yeah, Western's kind of cute, but they lost a bunch, uh, a bunch of players in the offseason, too. Jeez. We both, we both had them at fifth. And then, so we were we were exactly alike with four and five. We both had St. Cloud at four and Western at five. The bottom third, I had UNO at six, CC at seven, Miami at eight. You had CC at six, Miami at seven, and UNO. So so we both had Western. Oh, no, I we, have, we both had Western at fifth. Western That's right. Okay. Kings second place. Yeah. They're... So really the, the, the three teams, four, I guess, if you want to count Western, but so yeah, let's say four teams that we really missed on. We were too high on North Dakota and Duluth and we were too low on Western and particularly Omaha. I was really low on Omaha. Yeah. You, you missed out on five spots there. Jeez. Five out of eight spots. That is a swing to miss. Gabin, I think he's a shoe in right for coach of the year. Gabinette. Yeah. Probably him and first but did first win it last year? I feel like he did. And if he did, then yeah, I would give the nod to Gabinette. That's always a coach of the year is always, not we so thought you were going to suck. The best coach, it's who yeah. exceeded their expectations more. Uh-huh. And even if you say that Western, we are undersold Western. I still think that Omaha outperformed yeah. anyone's expectations. So yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Uh, interesting, kind of just like from St. Cloud's perspective. So it was the talking points were goaltending question marks. I think even at one point you said. If we can get a nine-one save percentage out of these out of the goaltending, I think that's a good sign. Hey, we even got a little bit better than that. I, you know, nine fourteen ish is I think what you'd average between Caster and Bassey. So, 
And for a while, like that was way exciting. Yeah, for a while we were way up there. Um, and we were concerned with scoring depth, which I don't think we were too off on that. I don't think that we expected as much out of Crookshank. Um, and he has tailed off the second half. Mm-hmm. Like he was more on pace for a forty-point year in the first half, but you know, settling in at what thirty-one uh, in the second or to, to finish the regular season. I got to bring up my stats here again. Um, but we were, we were definitely thinking that he was going to be a factor, but not to the extent I think that 30 points would have, would have had, would have put it. Um, so that was another question mark as far as where is like the third and fourth line is going to be. And, you know, I, I don't think we were too off on that. I, I still, I think this team is running on those top two lines primarily and we're getting, Good kind of, when when the team does very well, it's when we're getting guys like Ingram and these kind of guys when they when they produce, that's when things are going really well. For the most part, it's been between it's as you've mentioned, it's either when Cranell and Okabi are really hot, or when Crookshank and his line is really hot. At first half of the year, we were having both of those lines clicking at the same time. Now it seems to be either one or the other is going to be clicking. So I don't think that we yeah. were too far off on that. The the question, the difference we had is I did pick them as a tournament team. And I was pretty spot on. Cause I said, it's going to be similar to last year you know, where they're going to be like eight or nine. I think I put and right now. They're at seven. Um, whereas you did not, you said that you did not think that St. Cloud is going to make the NCAAs. Uh, and you almost were like down on the NCHC, which is prescient, I think, because he said that the NCHC is only going to get three teams in. Now, I did not think that you would thought you were thinking it's going to be Denver, North Dakota, and Duluth. And Duluth, yeah. Not Denver, Western Michigan, and uh, St. Cloud. And potentially, there's there's a better chance that they'll get four teams in than than less than that. Those three teams are solid mm-hmm. to make the tournament. So you were correct so far. You're correct on the number of teams. You just aren't weren't correct about the, the certain. See, that's why I shouldn't. I should just talk in broad generalities and just, just, just say three and move on. Like, like, why do I try to do more than that? Interesting too. Like when we're when we're previewing like freshmen, and this is why I want to talk about Howard for Duluth or touch on him at least. Is that you know, I, I I'm certainly not one that follows prospects super intently, and I I at least I'll speak for myself was kind of keying in on the NHL draft picks that we're going to debut for the NCHC this year, Howard being the only first round draft pick uh, in the conference this year. And as you said, 16 points, um, underwhelming, especially when you consider the other first round picks uh, in college this year, you had Cooley and Snuggerud. Yeah. First, both 45 points plus uh Cutter Godier for BC. They don't play top, defense top in the Big pick. Ten, though, so put an asterisk on that. That's true. Well, and Michigan had a couple of first-rounders. That Nazar was injured. He's just been back recently, but they had a McGrory who's been had a decent year for them. Fantilli, who hasn't been, he's not even draft eligible yet, might win the Hobie. I think it's between him and Pollen for Hobie, it's, frankly. Yeah. Um, but uh, – so I'm, I'm seeing I, a couple rumblings with Michigan Tech's goalie, but I think the av, the advent yeah, of the Richter, it's I think he's going to get. He'll the win the Richter. I don't. I don't. He's got to put up like a McKay like 
yeah. like four year, like five five year resume. I think to get Hobie, he'll win Richter. I don't think he'll win Hobie, but he might be a top three. I, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I can see that. But so we were kind of keying on on these when we mentioned North Dakota, and we kept saying Dylan James is the freshman to to look to key on because he was the their highest draft pick. As it turned out, J- Jackson Blake mm-hmm. was the freshman to look at. James had a good weekend this weekend against Omaha. Had yep. a couple of goals on Friday. And if if he wakes up, um, I mean, that could make North Dakota that much scarier. But he really had sort of a Howard-esque season where a lot of hype coming in uh, for uh, for James. But, you know, at this point in the season, 14 points. And that's with a having to hustle here at the end just to get to 14, you know, I had three point weekend this last weekend. So that was interesting. It's just, it's interesting that the, that freshman in this conference played a huge role. It's just not the freshman that we thought that we thought no one was talking about Ryan McAllister for Western Michigan. Who's got to be freshman of the year. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe Blake, but I mean, McAllister's top five points in the nation. Yeah. points i gotta imagine he's got inside track for that ben steves you know we we didn't mention him at all mentioned howard a few times but steves is the one that that led their team in scoring as a freshman um denver had denver of the nchc drafted players denver actually had the top, top two with aiden thompson and divine um and Adam Ingram had a 20 point season for, for the Huskies, which is on the, uh, on the higher end for that mentioning some of these you know, higher end draft picks that, uh, didn't have great years points wise. Um, Ingram at least is in 20 at 20 points as a, as a freshman young player like him, uh, pretty impressive. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would say that, um, it's just interesting how freshmen can play such a uh, X factor for these teams. It's just a lot of times it seems more, more so when it's, when it comes to first round talent, that's more predictable from a there. They can be a game changer, Uh, but a lot of times, and maybe it's an NCHC thing too. As you said, the big 10 is a younger league and for sexier prospects that might be a league that they're going to thrive in more so than nchc which tends to be a little older tends to be a little bit more physical so it might be much more of an adjustment kind of a learning curve um, for freshmen to come into the nchc than it is the big 10 so that, that certainly is a possibility but just interesting how how that sort of played out um and then also goaltending too not just with st cloud but there was question marks abound for the entire conference to Ritter talked about how that's going to be a question mark for them. That turned out to be a dud uh, Western Michigan with Cameron Rowe looked in the first half of the year. That was not really panning out. He's really picked up in the second half of the year and mm-hmm. his stats are in that nine, nine, one range, as you put it, uh, UNO, obviously huge question mark uh, in goaltending. And that's really turned out to be well for it to, to work out like a charm for them. Cause not only has Lacozzi been very good, but even this Kucharski um, has been serviceable um, for them too. So, and, and Barico, and Barico might be. Do you think he's goalie of the year? It's weird to say a seventh place team, but maybe name me a better goalie in this conference. Yeah, I don't think so. 
Unless they just go by wins. Pearson. Which, <laughs> if they give it to Krona, you're they, leaving. Oh, good lord! Who did um, not play this week? He he got he didn't play at all against CC this last weekend. They gave that Davis both starts, so they're they use that series as sort of a rest. Yeah, they're 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 resting that rest and get healthy, and we'll still sweep CC this mm. weekend. But so that was kind of the. Thoughts not only about St. Cloud but about the league as a whole. Is just what did we What did we say about Anhorn? Um, didn't, really, didn't really mention him at all. Geez. I didn't listen to the whole podcast, but because um, it was kind of tough to listen to, so I, I didn't listen to the whole thing. I, I I think I missed more. Thank you to our OG fans for uh, for listening to us. We appreciate it. I'm sure from what I remember, like I remember that. St. Thomas game and then came back and saying, "Who? yeah, who had Dylan Anhorn scoring the first goal of the year? Whoever had that on their bingo board and kind of chuckling about it. I mean, I, certainly we thought that, hey, this is a 20-point guy at Union. You know, he can be a, a nice little depth piece for this team. Nice, I don't think we were ever nice little imagining depth. that he was going to be the team leader. That he's still fifth in points. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. And – uh one other thing I did this weekend, I just quickly, 10th year of the conference, mm-hmm. and I kind of just went by and I did the, the the place that each team landed in, or the seed in the tournament, because there was you know, tied sure. in some cases, just whatever their seed was for the playoffs in each year, and I averaged them out. Um, so because it's interesting. So this was Miami's... This was Miami's fifth last place finish. Wow. I I would have guessed but, more. <laughs> but they are not the lowest team on this. CC is. CC is lower, huh? Okay. Seventh place again this year. And we've kind of said, you know, CC taking a step forward. I'm just mentioning in Barico might be the odds on favor for goalie of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yet another seventh place finish. I mean, this is then their, their high watermark is sixth in this conference. This is it starting in 2014. 7th, 8th, 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 7th, 6th, 8th, 7th, 7th, 7th. They're the only team never to host a first round playoff series uh, in, in the conference playoffs. And they, I mean, Miami barely skirts by them because they had that 2014 2015 season where they were second uh, in, in the standings and made the tournament against CC also, the only team in the conference never to make the NCAAs. They've only made the frozen faceoff once. Um, UNO is still the only team there that has to get that monkey off their back. But UNO hasn't made a conference tournament since like the Bush administration. That is correct. Oh <laughs> five. We mentioned that on the podcast too. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so of these teams, do you know who would have averaged out to be the number one team? Average out to be the number one team. In the first 10 years. I mean, I, I guess it would be Denver, but it might be North Dakota. It's North Dakota. Okay. Um, slightly. It's North Dakota, Denver, St. Cloud. St. Cloud. And UMB and then, uh, uh, are pretty close together. And then you have Western Michigan slightly above Omaha. Uh, and then Miami and CC. What's the um what's the grouping then for or like what's the average? So for UND it was two point seven. Okay. 
Denver is 3.0. St. Cloud is 3.1. UMD was 3.4. Oh, wow. So pretty close together. But yeah. UND has won the most Penroses. Penry? The Penry. Proper, proper uh, plural. Penroses most... supposes his toeses are roses. As Penroses supposes erroneously. And they've only so this will be their and this was their lowest year hey, sixth sixth place finish. Earlier, like 15, 20 minutes ago, you kept saying credence, and then I was gonna ask you what your favorite CCR song was. And now I just remembered I was gonna ask that. What's your favorite CCR song? Lodi. Really? Like that. That's kind of a it's kind of a deep cut. I mean it'd be on their greatest hits. I mean it would be, but like man, I am way oh, base. Lord. Stuck in in Lodi. Oh man, I am I am basic then. What do you got? What do you I, got? I, Fortunate I, son? No, down on the corner. <laughs> Love down on that's like my go-to. Yeah, we, we come to this like every month we have <laughs> Boomer Corner um hosted by a couple of millennials. This is uh, We gotta get a sound word. bite for Boomer Corner and then like Facts, the back poetic. get off Let's my see. lawn. <laughs> We've done Beatles content. We've done yeah. Yellow Queen, um, and now CCR. Now CCR. That's good. Well, we used to always just have Wings references, so it's... or news radio, yeah. or news radio. We're, we're trying to we're trying to mix it up. We're, we're trying to get that boomer de- demographic to download our podcast. That is correct. I had... That's what the numbers are telling me. That's what the, the uh, analytics the, that the, we get. That's why we want Grampied back as a sponsor. That's People have been asking heck. me, hey, it seems like these ads really aren't tailored to your to your clientele. But I'm just saying, this is the, these are the, the, the demographics that we get. And the <laughs> analytics are never wrong. They're so. never wrong. So, yeah, that was a nice mm. little. Oh, that was uh, cool. You know, at, at 10 years, it's, it's always nice to check in to see kind of. The state of the conference. The big gut punch there, at least from a St. Cloud's perspective, you know, that top four pairing, a grouping of those four teams that I mentioned, UND, Denver, St. Cloud, Duluth. St. Cloud, the only one of those teams not to have a national champion. Not to have a natty. Yep. In that in that uh, time frame. So let's hope that changes sometime soon. It'll maybe, change maybe, in April. Maybe, maybe not this Yeah, maybe this year. <laughs> Uh, so let's, let's, let's hope. So, so yeah. then switching over to sinkers and floaters, uh, uh, sinker, uh, dropping two spots in the pairwise, uh, St. Cloud state. <laughs> so go Huskies. Woo. Go Huskies. Woo. Um, obviously still very solidly in contention or not really in contention, but like solidly in, in the NCAA tournament. Um, Notre Dame, they're done. They're, 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 I mean, if we want to do um, maybe one last, one last hurrah. Wisconsin rule update. That's uh, the dream is dead. Officially, officially, officially. Yes, they needed to be swept um, by Michigan State, which I mean, they, they lost two out of three to Michigan State. So winning a game there dropped them to 19th. If they would have gotten swept, they would have dropped even further. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was our only chance for it. And so, yes, a, a sad, a sad moo yeah. for the, uh, for the Wisconsin rule, like the matrix, I believe still gives Notre Dame like point some point three percent chance of making the tournament, 
which I mean, they're not playing any more games. So that's assuming like everyone above them loses. I mean, again, 0.3% chance of that happening. So they're not dead, dead, but I really, yeah. North Dakota right now is at a 0.2% to get an at large. Um, I, I guess right now, I mean, if, I mean, to wrap up sinkers and floaters, uh, uh, Minnesota state, yeah, Minnesota state floating up to 12, uh, in their pairwise up three spots. So that was kind of their biggest, the big jump there. But if we want to, you know, flip on over. CHN pairwise probability matrix. I want to know what the point two, like what, what, 40 things need to happen for North Dakota to get to get at large. It, I mean, because technically it's possible. It's possible. Cornell, Michigan State, Merrimack, Northeastern, well, Notre Dame's not playing any more games, uh, Omaha, Connecticut, that they all lose every single game remaining. That's probable. And then North Dakota would, like, win. If they're doing an at-large, that's saying they're not winning the conference tournament. So, mm-hmm. like, they sweep Omaha and then make it to the title game of the frozen face-off that apparently could make the jump. I mean, they're, yeah, they're just six spots below, I suppose. So yeah, very remote possibility, but you know, it has to factor in the, the very remote possibility of all those other teams face planting uh, in front of them. But yeah, like I said, Notre Dame's basically done Michigan state you know, at 15 or at, let's see, the, the matrix uses Cratch. So they, they rank them by Cratch rather than the pairwise. So Michigan State's 16th in pairwise. Um, but they're playing the Gophers this coming weekend, just the single game semifinal. The Gophers have just curb stomped Michigan State yeah. this year. I, I can't see them winning that game. And if they don't, if they lose that game, even, even because or even factoring in the fact that the Gophers are number one, like a loss to them really shouldn't hurt you. It should hurt you the least in terms of RPI because they were the best team. But if they lose that game, you got to figure they're done. Um, So it's looking more and more likely uh, that Big Ten is going to just put in the four teams. Penn, Penn State is done now for the regular season. They're pretty much a lock. For uh, God, I hope I got I hope St. Cloud plays Penn State. What a buy! I, I wouldn't mind that either. They what I'd a watch. buy that would be. <laughs> but the one factor there that I hate is that it would be in Allentown, and you'd be facing a partisan crowd. Uh, and maybe that would maybe that's exactly what St. Cloud needs. Yeah, because that would put the they're the they're they they're given no shot. Like the fans are all against them. Yeah, the more that I think about it, the more I want that. Yeah, right? Um, Let's do it. Let's root for it. But we gotta Let's go back to Billy Joel. What's your favorite Billy Joel song? <laughs> um Scenes from an Italian restaurant. You know what? I think I've asked you that question before, and I think that's exactly the answer <laughs> that you said. <laughs> I really like that song. <laughs> Fair you're consistent. What can we say? <laughs> and I think I, I went on a little bit of a what the heck is that? And 
And then I probably mentioned that the, it's off the album of Strange. Yeah, 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 yeah. My mom had the tape in our Astro van, and we wore that tape out. I could name every single song, probably every lyric of every song of that album. And then I, I, I and then I chimed in with my story about my parents always had the soundtrack to The Big Chill, and that tape deck, and it was Marvin Gaye's "Heard It Through the Grapevine." Anyway. Get this, so off the street. I don't think I mentioned this last time that I mentioned Stranger, but Just the Way You Are won Song of the Year of the Grammys by Billy Joel, whose name has nine letters. Like 30 years later, Bruno Mars, who has nine letters in his name, won a Grammy for Song of the Year for a song called Just the Way You Are. They are not, like, it's not a remake of the song. Two separate songs by two separate musicians. Same title, wins Grammy Song of the Year. Whip that out at your next uh, trivia. Jeez. Meeting. 30 years apart. What were those years again? So, well, I don't know what the year. Uh, Stranger would have been 77. I don't know okay. exactly when Bruno Mars was. It would have been like early 2010. So maybe thir- maybe more than 30 years, but somewhere in that range. Right. Uh, it's a good good nugget. Good little nugget there. I'll, I'll remember that. I'll, I'll, be a, I'll be a big hit at parties now. That's right. Just like so, I am. Um, and then, you know, obviously... You know the the darling, the darling of the the pairwise probability matrix, uh, the Nanooks, yeah. um, who are done uh, playing games, uh, just kind of in a waiting period. They're at ninety percent right now. Um, you know, uh, hanging on to that fourth tier, uh, that fourth band. Um, you know, there's a little, there's a chance that they can get up to twelve and get a three seed, but uh, you know, for an independent. Uh, uh, kind of stepping up, swiping, and it didn't even look that good a few weeks ago. Um, at uh, the chances, I don't think were that high. So they they kept winning. I did think that they were going to stumble. So I guess kudos to them for kind of sneaking up and and grabbing a spot. Yeah. So ninety percent means there's a ten ten percent yep. chance that they miss the tournament. Which, if anyone's played Fire Emblem before or XCOM, ninety percent chance to hit means like you're you're gonna miss it like half the time. <laughs> so like I uh, that 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 game has ruined percentages for me. <laughs> so it's just for my like, nerd friends out there. <laughs> and I think I was erroneous last week when I was saying you know they're at twelve, and if they stick at twelve, then five conference upsets aren't going to steal the last five spots, but that's really not the issue. The issue is other teams below them could pass them. And so like Cornell right now is 0.0007 RPI points away from Alaska. I mean, so if they sweep their upcoming playoff series against Clarkson, which is not not a foregone conclusion. They haven't beaten Clarkson this year, but let's just say they do. They would probably hop Alaska. Miramac is not that far away from them either. So their biggest, the 10% of them missing the tournament would be teams below them jumping them and like maybe having two. Now, Atlantic Hockey takes the 16th spot and then one team from outside the top 15 snags another at large. That's how they would miss the tournament. Um, because again, they're not playing another game, so they themselves can't improve their RPI. And as I mentioned last week, because they're playing Lindenwood, who's 
second to worst in RP, in RPI themselves. Uh, those games, those wins won't, won't count really in their RPI. I remember their RPI last week was five, four, three, two. I just remember that because of the number sequence, they did actually drop to five, four, two, one by winning those two games. It's more based on their strength of schedule weakening a little bit because of the other teams they've played this year, like Notre Dame losing. So they lost actually some, some, a slight amount of ground to the fact that they're actually tied in RPI with Mankato right now. Um, Mankato actually must be percentage points up because the CHN is giving them the RPI edge over Alaska, even though they're both listed here at five, four, two, one, obviously the, the uh, decimal points or digits beyond those four uh, are in the slight favor of Mankato at the moment. And again, yeah, that, that, I mean, the teams ahead of them too could also drop. So it's not just dependent on the teams below them. I mean, they, they're still like 90%. They're, most likely going to make the tournament. So uh, it is definitely, definitely interesting. Uh, it's not anything that, that uh, we foresaw coming. I don't think anybody did, but no. um, yeah, congrats to them. Um, it just, uh, you know, as we're talking about, you know, playoffs and, the NCHC, you know, obviously, uh, you know, other than the uh, St. Cloud Minnesota Duluth series, you know, you're 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 putting a star on that uh, North Dakota Omaha series. I think, I think it was like back in December, we're like, that's how it's going to happen, right? Is they're <laughs> going to end up playing North Dakota, and North Dakota is going to beat them. So I got to go with that. Yeah, uh, I think that's the most obvious uh, candidate for an upset. I mean, maybe you could say the Duluth and St. Cloud, but those two series, I don't, I don't think that would be an upset either way. It goes for Duluth and St. Cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I think it, I think it'd be a slight upset just based on like pairwise positioning, but uh, the way factoring in the way that St. Cloud's been playing. Yeah. Probably more of a coin flip situation, but those two series, I think will have the most intrigue. As we mentioned, Imberico might make it interesting in that Western CC series. I did this last year with the Mankato St. Thomas series where I think I, uh, I think I predicted like 15 to one combined score, uh, in that series. And it was like a three to two game and (laughs) it was another tight game in that series. So I don't want to do that again with Denver and Miami, but that's not going to be close. Is it? Or are you going play playoffs? It's second season. (laughs) Wipe all the records away and watch out for the Red Hawks. Identical four-one victories, at least for Denver. I think so they had identical seven-nothing victories uh, in their previous series in Denver this year. So uh, four to one. I'm giving Miami a benefit of the doubt then that they'd uh, be able to claw back to make it only a four-to-one loss. Um, but you know, if 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 I'm looking at it from a fan aspect. At at the frozen faceoff, I mean, having the first game or the second game, you know, but having the four matchups be Denver and and North Dakota, and then St. Cloud against Western Michigan, I think that's just the most like I I, I don't think you can get more like more entertaining matchups. 
Well, and the league's lucking out a little bit with the St. Cloud and Duluth series because at least one One. Minnesota team will make it. But there is a chance. I mean, if you're going chalk, you got Denver, Western Michigan, and Omaha could possibly be in there with no North Dakota. Mm -hmm. And I guess like the the disaster matchups would be Denver, CC, Miami, and Western. <laughs> like you would have no team really in driving distance mm-hmm. to make it. And it's close to that. I was almost tempted to just to go contrary chaos, and say, and say chaos Omaha's bracket gonna, and say Omaha is going to beat North Dakota. Cause it's like, Hey, it's the bit now to say that Omaha is never going to make the frozen face off. Mm. And they haven't beaten North Dakota at all this year. Uh, and so maybe that's, but I, I just, I, I think, especially the way that North Dakota played this last weekend, I, I do think that, um, that they're going to get the job done even on the road and cue the, um, I think there is, there might be some conspiracy theorizing going on because it's like NCHC wants North Dakota to face off. Like they're going to, it's, if you've been saying like they were complaining about calls in the St. Lawrence series. Imagine the the uh, uproar uh, over some. It'll be some like five minute major that North Dakota will score three goals on. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be ugh, NCHC refs. <laughs> uh, I'll call that. You, you call those Denver Miami scores. I'll I'll call a uh, uh, Omaha Twitter uh, uh, tam- temper tantrum. There you go. There you go. I like it. Um. You know, and and not to say, yeah, like even if Omaha does, I think that's an exciting team at least. Um, those so, games, like, I mean, those, I watched those, Fairmont, those I games watched will still be fun. Series in North Dakota this past weekend, I thought. I mean, Omaha tied it up late on Friday. It's kind yep. of a back and forth game at the end. They scored two late goals. There was like three, like Omaha tied it, then North Dakota went back up, and then Omaha tied it again. Another overtime uh, win for North Dakota, like their fifth of the year, something like that. Um, so. Those are, and then the Saturday game was another kind of late, late goal to finish that bit of controversy there with a, a video review that I thought was going to be, that was going to result in a goal negated because of some goalie contact. But I, I thought rightfully they, they let the goal stand. So, so well, yeah, it was interesting. Every, yeah, every time they go to the review booth, the uh, NCHC refs flip a coin. <laughs> Anytime NCHC refs go to the that. review God flips a coin. I don't know. Something, there's there's something Game of Thrones-esque to, to kind of be like, who knows how this is going to go. I'm going to go to the box. Don Adam <laughs> flips a coin. He missed it by that much. Um, so um, any anything else before we hop into questions? Let's hop into questions. Hop into questions. First question. Um, friend of the show, Dan Jacobson. Who has probably been with us ever since those high, uh, low quality season previews? He was there, thick and thin. He, he, he was there, th- thick and thin. <laughs> probably our most loyal listener, and it's a Minnesota Duluth, and all we do is just bash them. <laughs> that is right. So, um, how glad are you guys to be done with three on three and shootouts for the year? Um, I'm incredibly happy just because to me they're one and the same. Um, and I, I think ties are not bad. I think you should be – sometimes you just don't deserve to win or lose. You just deserve to tie, and that should be okay. Um, 
And I, I just, I don't love the glorification of three on three because it is just a glorified shootout, um, in my opinion. But yeah, people, people love the three on three. I am, I'm, I'm okay never to to watch or not to watch those again for the rest of the rest of the season. So, um, any more, more any, violent agreement? I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Although I'll say that you know, St. Cloud kind of as a rarity did pretty well yeah. in, in overtimes and especially shootouts. They've always kind of God Moscow's Moscow's year shootouts. It was just, I, I think we went like three years in the NCHC before shooting a shootout goal. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, they were God, remember those early. It was just one. It was only one person. And then there was, Oh man. I, and, there was just so much confusion with the shootouts and when it was supposed to go and whether or not there was supposed to be a dry scrape in between. And, ah, anyway, it was, it was a time. Yes, it was. But yeah, I, I, I do like the, uh, the five on five overtimes better. I wish it would go back to that for the whole regular season, but now, now it's 20 minutes, five on five overtimes and play as God intended. And that means that the whole pairwise, like 66-33 overtime split, that's history. Out the All window. Games will, will just count the same as a regulation mm-hmm. win from here on out. So that's good to know. Um, uh, Alex Fern, uh, favorite season memories. So as we're, you know, uh, wrapping up the season, uh, overall, just uh, anything kind of stick out to you? Uh, to me, obviously, uh, those comebacks against North Dakota – um uh to me really really ring as as a high water mark uh for 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 this for the season just kind of like cycling through their schedule to see if it kind of like pops up memories um the kupka play behind the net to set up the game winner against mankato uh on that saturday game remember it was the Oh, such a bad no call. The Mankato fans were, were <laughs> crying about that. Uh, I remember that. The Ingram highlight reel goal against Bemidji at home, I think, is a, a good memory. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, like you said, those two North Dakota wins at home were great. The Casters shutout against the Gophers yeah. was a good one. The Denver sweep. Sweep of Denver. It's like the best memory we have. The, and, most, and, the most recent. The most memory. recent good memory. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because since then, well, we had that one good win in Omaha. <laughs> uh, we had that one complete game. Sweeping, sweeping Wisconsin, who factored into Granado's ouster today, as you referred to. There was uh there was a lot that factored into his ulcer, and the fact that he got an extension last year was absolutely ridiculous. Well, he's not getting an extension this year. Not getting an extension. This offseason. It's another but, sexy job in college. I mean, we had Michigan, Michigan State, BC, BC BU, BU, all having coaching vacancies last year. Now it's Wisconsin. It's another big program and a bunch of resources and now all the hot takes all the hot takes are coming out uh of who they should who they should have and who's the but what's the what's the earliest buzz because that's always the best buzz hastings 
He spent like <laughs> he's on everyone. Michigan State, I think he was like yep. two. Michigan, maybe. That's the other thing. Like with this Narado in Michigan, I bet you he gets the job now. But when they had when they hired him as an interim, he's still the interim coach. Um, some people are probably saying he's just keeping the job warm for Brett Larson. Lehman Lehman's another guy that's always rumored to move on from Providence. But I bet you Narados, but that's another coaching situation that will need to be resolved. They'll either take take the interim tag off, which I think will happen. Yeah. Or they could, I guess. If he's embroiled in scandal, maybe they need to go another direction. But it is a Michigan college, so that's when was it last year that, that Mankato re signed Hastings, even though they didn't really need to, but because of the rumors mm-hmm. of him going, I think he parlayed that into a little extra cash. A little extra pay so bump. Maybe, yep. maybe do it that, again. Uh, maybe Keep going. It's again. Don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> so let's I don't know if I don't know if St. Cloud had a chance to counter or match with Motsko. I don't I don't think we could have. I don't think no, we no. I don't I don't think we would have come close to that, but yeah, it'd be interesting. Like I'm trying to think like, if there's like a Wisconsin alum that's coaching somewhere. I can't. I mean, Mark Osiki was a guy that coached Ohio State, and I think he was on Granada staff for a little bit. He was on one of the. He played on one of their championship, you know, natty teams. But I feel like he's past his prime. I I don't think he's going to be hired. I just I, I don't. Maybe they'll get Eves back. Bring bring back uh, bring back the sweater vest. There you go. I don't think he's doing anything now. So, uh, no, it'll be very interesting to see who they, who they get. Cause that is a, that's a job with a lot of, uh, a lot of prestige that has kind of lost its shine here. So opportunity for someone to rebuild that program. Call Muzzer all. That's my, that's my <laughs> hot take. All right. There you go. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, like, honestly, for what she's done with Ohio state, like, the Ohio State was middle or was not a good, not a good program before she took over. The right. fact that you know, defending champion and now again, you know, a top seed in the in the national tournament. I think only what four losses this year. I'm not even. I'm not even joking. Like they, they should give her a good look, but I, they never. They never would, but. Do you, as we're on the topic, do you have a pick for women's? Uh... For the women's tournament, Ohio State. Yeah, I don't know. Gophers look pretty decent, uh, beating them in the title game, uh, yep. the WCHA title game. Now that Ritter, and yeah, so you got a, I got a home crowd there uh, advantage, but yeah, I mean, defending champ, uh, you got to think that they're they've got the, the target on their back, so to speak. Um, so if you want to take Ohio State, okay. You know, Yale. I feel like it's a. I feel like it's a cop out taking Ohio State, but. And I don't want to take Minnesota, but. I feel like it's, it's a good pick. <laughs> I mean, they're a solid team. I just feel like they're they're prone to clunkers more than Ohio State is. It's true. Especially because then they would have to go through Minnesota Duluth too. Because I think Minnesota that, would. Yep. So, and I think that going up against a goaltender like Minnesota Duluth has, I, I think that's where Minnesota can fumble. Which they did, correct? No, Duluth lost to Ohio State. I thought that Minnesota played Duluth in the uh, in the uh, semis, but they they beat Wisconsin, where Duluth lost to Ohio State. 
that might be their biggest roadblock uh, because they'll play the the winner of Clarkson Duluth. Mm-hmm. I got to think that Ohio State's going to be good on their half of the bracket. You know, they've got all Eastern teams to face. Yeah, they'll play either Quinnipiac or Penn State, which I would be confident that Ohio State's going to win that game. Northeastern and Yale. Yale had a great start to the year that kind of tailed off. Colgate actually beat them um, in the uh, uh, in the title game. Or no, Colgate beat Clarkson. I'm sorry. Yale lost to Clarkson uh, in the semis. So, but Colgate being the ECAC winner, that could present a challenge for Minnesota as well. Although Colgate might have to get past Wisconsin in order to get that up. I'm I'll just, I'm going to say it's going to be all WCHA final again, as it was last year. I'm not going to – I'll say – yeah, I'll say Minnesota over Ohio State to be the contrarian. All right. It, it's a good pick. I know it's all chalk, but it's a good – it's chalk for a reason. Nice. <laughs> Solid. Um, um, Alex kind of kept it going with um, – could this be the win that gets the team going? I think – emotionally this win was big for the Huskies more so than how big it was on paper. Cause in paper it kind of, it meant nothing, but I think like emotionally, like being able to come back and just being able to have them know that they can do this, I think was just kind of a big step. So I do think, yeah, I think that's why, that's why I'm predicting a sweep. I think this win jump starts him and gets him going. I, I like where you're thinking, I, so. and I hope I hope you're right. Um, I don't know if you were there, but that bushy goal on Saturday was the loudest I've ever heard. The Herb Brooks National Hockey Center. Uh, what's the loudest you've ever heard the rink? Um, I know I talk about this goal all the time, and <laughs> it's one of my favorite goals. But Brocklehurst Clapper that makes it five one. And the building erupts at that, that, that to me was the loudest every once in a while. Um, I think it happened maybe on Lash's goal, maybe even earlier that game, that game just kind of stands out to me quite a bit as um, being kind of a, kind of a big moment in terms of atmosphere. Um, But I think that Lash, um, you know, on, on a, on a play that, you know, shot it wide on and Lash was able to kind of tuck it in. I think even the horn did a key change where it reached like a slightly higher note. And I remember that kind of sticking out to my head. That was loud too. So, but um, yeah, I still think that Brockwater's goal, the building erupted at that point. Um, surprisingly, another one is uh, Hanowski's point uh, one goal against Alaska Anchorage yep. of all teams. I remember that uh, being an eruption. That was back also when it was 5,500 was like the norm. Um, you know, you always got that much to hockey games, and now the competition for dollars is stretched so thin. But that's uh, th- those are kind of stick out to me of, of loud goals. Unfortunately, I was not there, so I couldn't uh, hear it uh, firsthand. But, um, I mean... Judging by everything, it was a, a great attendance. So, so it's not surprising. Yeah, for my yeah, for my memory, it, it's a tough question, but I, I I just go back to Gopher games. Yeah, as being sort of the best atmosphere crowd wise. I remember like the remember the LeBlanc 
like breakaway goal yeah. in his Hobie year. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that was a big moment. Um, cause like his, the narrative of his season was like, that was almost the capstone of that. And I, I felt like the crowd sort of was aware of like, like this is a special season. Um, and again, because it's against the Gophers, it's just the everything's sort of amplified because of that. More so even than North Dakota games, which are very well attended too, but mm. too much green in the building to to make those <laughs> to make the memory stand out as much. So yeah, I wish I had more time to think about this, but just off the top of my head, I do I'll shout out that um that uh, LeBlanc goal yeah. against the Gophers. Oh, that's a good one too. Uh, Eric, what, uh, what does the successful season look now, uh, that we're in the postseason from here? Um, you know, we teased this a little bit earlier, um, for him, it's w- at least one win. I want to say the frozen four, uh, but that seems like a pipe dream given, uh, the loss and injuries we have on the blue line. Um, yeah, I think a successful season. Yeah. One win in the NCAA tournament. I, I mean, at that, I don't know. I, I, the fact that I said that we wouldn't make the tournament and we are going to like, I have to look at it through that lens. This is a successful season to me because I looked at this as a little bit more of a rebuild, maybe a reload. But then, but then but. you look at it through the lens of where we were. And injury. <laughs> yeah. You're thinking on January 15th or whatever it was to say that not making a frozen four would that maybe kind of be a disappointment? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, I always hesitate defining seasons based on the NCAA tournament, which I know sounds backward. But you've you've season. always you've always been on that camp of you can't judge a game by a one or a season by a one. I game. wish I wish it was as easy as that. But like by that logic, the 2021 Huskies was the best Huskies team ever because they made it the furthest in the tournament. Yeah. They made it to the national title game. And sorry, they're like the seventh best Huskies team. Uh, it's like, didn't it's like Scorsese winning best director for the departed. Like it's like his seventh best movie. Um, and so scent of a woman, <laughs> he had no hand in that, but yeah. So yeah, getting to a regional final would be nice. Obviously getting to a frozen four would be great, but you really think that's his seventh best? Maybe not seventh, but like, are you not a fan of The Departed? Or do you just think it's there's fine. a lot better Scorsese? There's a lot better Scorsese, I think. Raging Bull's better. The King of Comedy might be my favorite of his. Comedy with uh, with De Niro as a psycho, like, stalker type. Celebrity stalker, he kidnaps Jerry Lewis. Uh, great movie if you've never seen it. Goodfellas, obviously. Yeah, I mean, Goodfellas uh, really stands out to me. But there's actually a lot that I haven't seen of him. I like, I haven't seen Taxi Driver. I haven't Great. seen him. I haven't. I haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street. Not um, a huge fan of that. It's all right, but I have. I I have seen Shutter Island. Um, I've always wanted to see Gangs of New York, but every time I look at the runtime of it, I'm like, no. <laughs> I just get that. pick something else. So I, I just feel like that's a lot to invest in a movie, but no, I get that. But anyway, this has I... been your boomer film corner here. 
<laughs> there was something in that in that season preview podcast. At one point, you're like, "Oh, I, I we're not going to go super long because we want to keep these things short." <laughs> and I, I started laughing, like, because we were trying to like keep it to like an hour ish. Oh. We've been settling into this two hour plus for the whole season, and I realize so few people are listening to this, but. It's actually kind of interesting. We love you. It's actually kind of interesting. I have gotten more positive feedback about the two hour plus podcast than I have the negative. Yeah. Great. A lot of people like the longer format. So what? Dan Jacobson likes it? Yes. (laughs) That's the feedback? feedback. Uh, Jason Bryant likes it. Uh, And then um, I I think it was, uh, I I can't, I think it was Eric that likes it as well. I don't know. There's, There's a couple. All right. But well, the fact that there's been more people saying yes than no. Uh, all right. Just to just to test that. Oh, God, don't. Don't put this to an actual test. It's not going to hold up. You got to tweet at uh, Weldy or you can email me, huskieshockeypodcast at gmail.com. What's your favorite Scorsese movie? Ah, there we go. What is your favorite Scorsese movie? Are you Scorsese or Scorsese? I call them eyebrows. Tomato, tomato, tomato. Like like Eugene Levy could play him in a biopic. (laughs) Like it's just a get that done. Just spitting image, right? Exactly. So, which I don't know why I said Eugene Levy. I thought of Christopher Guest, and that's just that's natural. Exactly. So, um. How, uh, Jeff, come on. Uh, how serious are the injuries to Trayvall and Peart? Uh, was last week and just extra rest and they come back for a run. Um, they're going to be needed big time here coming up. It's, yeah, we, uh, spoke a little bit about it earlier, but I just kind of wanted to circle back on my thoughts on it. Just, just to kind of reemphasize again, I don't expect them to play Friday and I still think we're going to win. So I guess. Now I'm kind of second guessing myself, but I mean, it's not like Peart and Trayball. I don't know. I think people put them on a higher pedestal from how they played lately than they should be on. Cause I, I think they've well, both been very mediocre. Yeah. We've, we've criticized, I think rightly, but I do think this last weekend exposed the fact that we can complain. Yeah. We can quibble, uh, but it's a huge loss. I will say, as far as Wiley goes, I might prefer him to Trayball on the power play. Yes. Uh, yeah. I I would prefer Trayball from a purely defensive standpoint to Wiley at this point. Mm-hmm. But from the power play, cycling around, quarterbacking at the top of the point, I think I prefer Wiley to, to Trayball. So maybe this opportunity, as you said, kind of is a good long-term move because it will give Wiley some kind of playoff tested experience. So yep. I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of that. Aspect yeah, of it. exactly. So, uh, well, that about does it. Um, we, uh, wanted to keep it short. So here we are at the two thirteen, uh, or so Mark, uh, you know, whenever this gets to the edit bay, wherever we end up. So, um, yeah. Uh, uh, tweet me your favorite Scorsese, 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 Eugene Levy lookalike, eyebrows movie uh, at more clappers, M O A R more clappers, and Andrew, you could reach him at that's uh, Huskies Hockey Podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Tell me what your favorite eyebrows movie is. Yep, there you go. So, and uh, until uh, next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!